down to the next side. We will survive in the stocky wilderness. Swimming through the waters of Babylon like a rebel fish. Jogalist, specialist, predator and survivalist. Spitting heaven's fight from his lips. Burning slave driver. Welcome, listeners, to Time for an Awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, New Media for the New Millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4, 6 states, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge, but we as a people can turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom with all that getting, get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your hosts, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. Again, that's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations, you can go to timeforanawakening.com, which is the homepage and catch the live stream. At that location, you can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Catch the live stream there also. You can go to a bb to me dot com forward slash time for an awakening that's a b i b i t u m i forward slash time for an awakening because live stream there or you can download the tune in radio app to any of your devices tune in is a free app and then the tune in search engine just type in time for an awakening there you'll see the icon and you can stream the program live even into your car if you had the Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's time for an awakening radio program with the live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Time for an awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, just type in time for an awakening radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. Do me a favor before you leave that page, just hit that like button. It's time for an awakening radio program with the fan page on Facebook and time for an awakening media is there. Always full of the latest podcast of the various programs on time for an awakening media, interesting articles that you can read, download at later times and share with your friends. Also check out that time for an awakening marketplace with, and our partnership with the BB to me. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So, again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.07 here in the city of Philadelphia on this uh, spring Sunday evening. And we're in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Our guest this evening in conversation, attorney, organizer, and founder of the Black Lawyers for Justice, and also an author now. The book 
the book of Collett, will be the backdrop of our conversation this evening on operational unity among black organizations for the welfare and protection of our community. We'll be right back after a brief word from our sponsors with our special guest this evening. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use 
to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back. Time for an awakening at 712. You're in the city of Philadelphia. And before we get started this evening, let me welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here at Philadelphia at 7th and Arch Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Elliot. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing fine. You know, just uh, looking forward to uh, speaking with Dr. Shabazz and, and exploring, you know, using um, Tulsa and Brother Khalid, you know, these experiences to get us some, what, some focus on what we should be doing, what we are doing, and um, what the outcomes, continue to clarify what the outcomes um, from what is going on should be. So I'm looking forward to the conversation. You know, uh, this is just a kind of an an ongoing theme on the program about uh, showcasing brothers and sisters around the country in all fields of, uh, of a study and, and all work environments and showcasing them fighting back, organizing our people. And I think that's the, that's a huge key. Mm-hmm. Uh, tonight, uh, we're going to use uh, the Book of Collet as a template to talk about uh, the need for organizing for you know, the, the total need for organizing uh, for the welfare and protection of our communities. It's, 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 uh, it's, 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 it's a necessary piece. Mm. Uh, and tonight back again, it's been a while since he's been with us. Uh, but the brother is always working attorney organizer, and founder for the black lawyers of justice and also an author now. Brother Malik Zulu Shabazz is with us this evening in conversation. Brother Malik, how are you, sir? Hey, fine. I'm just fine. Brother Elliot and Brother Richard, my honor to be on. Uh, listen, it's an honor to have you back, brother. Uh, listen, yeah. we're, going, we're going to talk about a lot of things this evening, and we're going to use the Book of College as a template, a man that was involved in organizing our people uh, you were there as an aide and a spokesperson and a lawyer uh, involved in that whole situation of different things going on. So we're going to pick your brain tonight uh, about some of the pitfalls that our people uh, went through during that period and how we don't uh, duplicate them or do them again. It's it's always good when we have somebody here that was on the ground. I, you know, it was a fascinating conversation when me and Brother Richard had Mukasa Dada on with us at the time uh, when he was with uh, Stokely Carmichael as, as, as he was at that time. And, and Dr. King, his name was Willie Ricks, but he was involved 
and organizing people down in Lyles County and all down and through the South uh, during that period and talking with him. And we've had other organizers that have been on, O.B. Bona Jr. and other people. And it's good to have you as an attorney and also somebody that was involved in organizing and that's still involved to let our people know what's really going on. And, and the thing that some of our people don't understand, a lot of us do, but some of our people don't understand when they look at our people and see the disorganization and some of our people going in different directions and they feel as though that, you know, we can't get right, so to speak. But the organizing that we're trying to do and going to accomplish is not by itself in a vacuum. you got people and forces and governmental forces that's working against us, which is different than any other people on the face of this earth. So, uh, we're going to talk about a lot of these things this evening. Before we talk about any of the things uh, involving the book and organizing and yourself, talk about, I want you to talk about uh, the Black Wall Street Holocaust, the 100-year anniversary that's going to be going on at the end of this month, uh, May 28th to 30th in Tulsa, Oklahoma, because some of the things that's going on out there is key parts of this conversation this evening. Uh, so, Brother Malik, talk about uh, what's going on in Tulsa at the end of this month. Thank you so much. Um, the 100-year anniversary of the Holocaust, that which occurred in Tulsa, Oklahoma, on Black Wall Street, the 100-year anniversary is coming up, Memorial Day weekend. And at the end of this month, May 28th through the 30th, the strongest black nationalist organizations, many of our strongest leaders, and certainly the strongest of our Second Amendment and black self-defense groups all over America are coming into town, into Tulsa, Oklahoma, to honor the ancestors who gave their lives and lost their lives when the black economy and the black businesses and the black genius and the black life was destroyed there in Tulsa in one of America's worst racial tragedies. And that's pretty bad considering America's history. Well, we will all be there, and there's going to be a three-day conference, three-day conventions, the National Black Power Convention, May 28th through the 30th, and it's going to be all about reparations. It's going to be all about honoring the ancestors and reflecting on where we are and where we're going in the spirit of St. Kofa. It will be all about uh, unity and Black United Front and and reports from activists who are fighting against um, police brutality, human trafficking, missing kids out there. The black nationalists are doing great work and they're all coming to Tulsa. There's going to be a big Second Amendment march on the 29th. There are going to be hundreds, maybe thousands of black gun, gun owners and they are going to be demonstrating down Black Wall Street. And they're going to be demonstrating as a sign that our people have an advanced level of protection in this hour. And never again will we allow what occurred then. And also understanding that with the scourge of police brutality raging, that there is a cry and a call and a movement to train all 40 million of us for self-defense now. And a sign of that unity amongst black Second Amendment groups, the Huey P. Newton Gun Club, the Elmer Geronimo Pratt Gun Club, the New Black Panther Party, the Fred Hampton Gun Club, 
I mean, the black self-defense has reached and will reach a new crescendo here in Tulsa on this 100-year anniversary. I'll be the keynote speaker on police brutality. There's going to be black groups from all around the country, and Khalid Muhammad spirit is all behind this, brother. And this is a year where Khalid Muhammad's prophecies are coming true. Uh, brother Malik, the um, the gathering in in Tulsa, and and the need for to develop an economic base, and also not only to develop that economic base, but to protect anything we develop. Uh, the 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 folks involved. See, because it, it takes organizing to to deal with any of this, and I know that you're pulling from some of your mentors, uh, uh, Dr. Khalid Muhammad and, and some others. Talk about the, before we kind of get into the nuts and bolts, talk about the, the need for our people to, to start developing uh, ways to organize. That, that, I mean, that's a skill that everybody can't do. Uh, you've been out yeah. here a while, and you seem to be able to maneuver among different folks, uh, among different so-called genres and so-called classes of our people. It's a skill that needs to be taught. You were taught it. Um, how can this be accomplished? Some of our people that, that see the problem among our people that, but don't see how they can be a part of trying to organize. T- t- take us to school a little bit on the, the need for organizing and to developing that skill. Excellent question. And I'm still in the school, brother. And I'm learning every day as I go, as I adhere to the fundamental principle that Stokely Carmichael or Kwame Ture gives us, which is organize, organize, organize. Now, I learned this as a college student from uh, uh, Kwame Ture or what they call Brother Stokely at that time. And throughout becoming an attorney or organizer or whatever class or, or geography I go, go to, I understand that he was correct. Okay, so uh, uh, right now, organizational skills are critical in getting our people where they have to go. Because we've had mass demonstrations. Uh, we've had mass frustrations. We've had riots. We've had burnings. But well, but after all of that mobilization, if there's not skilled organization, we're going to be running around like a hamster wheel. And so uh, a job of a person like me who's been in the movement for over, over 30 years is to use my experience to, uh, to go about employing whatever skills I have from whatever vantage points I have. Uh, and it does take me going amongst different jobs, for example. For example, I'm an uh, I'm an attorney, and uh, this is a, a time for attorneys right now. We're in the midst of uh, major legal fights over police brutality in these cities. We're in the major legal fights over gentrification and so forth. And this is the time when the black attorney is on Front Street. And so, therefore, uh, right now, I'm challenged to further organize black lawyers for justice. Uh, to further go after police training, to further go after the institutionalized uh, uh, education and training on how to survive police encounters. I have to further go about giving black people uh, 
uh, uh, education and equipping them with means to have rights to protect themselves. There's a whole list of things I have to do as an attorney. Then I have to switch reels because I'm a veteran of the Black Nationalist Movement and I've studied under such greats as Minister Louis Farrakhan and, of course, Dr. Khalid Muhammad and, uh, and others. And because my dear brother Hashim Nzinga, may God rest his soul, has passed on to the ancestors, when he passes, the burden of maintaining and sustaining and directing the new Black Panther Party, who was an integral part of the Black Nationalist Black Power Movement, well, that falls under my guidance also. Let's another Black organization split and split and be scattered and go astray. So, uh, brother, I have my hands full right now, and I have to move tactically and strategically and sometimes forcefully and sometimes sensitively to help get our job done. But I'm happy to report that there is progress being made out here. Uh, 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 I talked about the legal front, but let me jump over here to the political front. Mm -hmm. Because, um, you know, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, for example, the uh, the capacity for just say blacks to even be conscious that they have a, a, a divine and human and a constitutional right to defend themselves uh, is something that's being grown and developed every day and it's advanced. Uh, the amount of, of, of black weapons trainers and groups that are dedicated to teach, teach, teaching black people to safely and honestly defend themselves is expanded. And this comes through solid organizing. This comes through my, this comes through building united fronts with other with the with the great leaders in this area, uh, leaders of the Huey P. Newton Gun Club, Brother Omar Wiley, and uh, all the other great gun groups. Well, because I'm a veteran, brother, and I can go amongst them and I can help unite many of these sisters and brothers. Well, before they were not talking to or dealing with each other. So I have the capacity to go amongst them in a diplomatic fashion, in a, in a, in a fashion of an of experienced veteran, and I can help move what we call uh, uh, the core of black nationalism, which is self-defense and self-determination, self-development. I can use my experience now to bring different groups forward and organize them to help make sense out of all of these uh, riots and chaos and street demonstrations so we can have some solid policy coming out of this. So, you know, that's just in the self-defense area and that's in the legal area, but there are other areas of promise, areas of economics, areas of sanctions, other areas of cooperation. And I agree with you above all, brother, organizing, organizing, using our skills to organize with each other humbly amongst each other. Nobody being real big or big man over the next man uh, is the way we're trying to go about it. Kind of like uh, kind of like a, a, a switching from a role of a, you know, we used to have big man leadership. We had, you know, Louis Farrakhan's a big guy. He's drawing 20,000, 30,000. He's kind of like Michael Jordan out there, scoring all the points. Uh, LeBron James, there's other kind of big leaders. Well, these days, it's more so like giving out assists, and, and it's more so of a spread out team game may promise bigger results for our people, you know. Uh, you so, so these days, I'm more happy to give out assists than score points, and that's proven to be better at this stage of the Black Nationalist game. 
and and that and that might be some of the ways that we need to approach these things because we've seen in the past that when we have the quote unquote big man out there like you like you just stated that the man the 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 system of white America the so called powers that be finds it easy to attack these men and then when they yeah. do the movement flounders sometimes the people scatter. And we need to learn from our experiences, especially dealing with Europeans. But before we kind of go into different areas, because this conversation is going to go around into different areas, and then callers probably will bring some things up. Richard, uh, yeah. you, you was mentioning about uh, some of the things on the political front that uh, that uh, uh, Brother Malik probably could uh, answer. Yeah, and deal with. yeah and I'm, I'm um, you know, um, I'm, I, ex- I appreciate your experience, Brother uh, Spaz, and and, and and going over this time period. And, you know, as Elliot said, we've had, um, we've been having different discussions and looking at um, who's been organizing and, and, and the, and the type of organizing, um, whether it be about self-defense or whether it be about political organizing. And the thing that captures me at this moment, because we've had discussions about conventions and I understand, I see that, you know, that weekend, um, what is considered called a, a national black power convention. And, and you're actually, you know, just made reference of being the diplomat to bring, bring all of us together. And the question I'm, I'm, I'm having is um, looking over the discussion, say, historically from the Negro conventions, and we were just having discussion around the 72 convention. How do you, how do you place, um, and looking, being in Tulsa 100 years later, how do you place the convention that's going to occur um, they, um, over that weekend? And, you know, um, not necessarily different, but just how do you see the formation of that um, different from the political perspective than, um, say, 72, which I'm kind of like focusing on, if that if different, if, even if it's not different at all? How do you see how do you see this formation in this time, this convention? So I appreciate the question. Um, I think the nature of the time and exactly what's going on in 2021 would dictate the, the specific differences between 1972, you say like a black power convention occurred in Gary, Indiana at that time. Um, we live in a time right now, again, um, there's a heightened focus on police brutality and police abuse. Uh, the technology is here today that wasn't there yesterday, so people can really see how brutal and, and nasty this problem is. Mm. And, and and the country's still yearning for a solution because, you know, once Derek Chavin is convicted, you know, the next week another black man is shot in the back and another one is shot, and we all know that another one's coming next week and down the pike. So uh, um, despite civil litigation, um, despite lawsuits, settlements, criminal convictions, it still remains a heavy problem. And so not just the black community, America is still on edge as to how, uh, how this, how the struggle against police brutality will go. Uh, right now you got a federal bill that is, that is being compromised. It's supposed to allegedly cure, uh, police brutality, the George Floyd act, I think it's called. Um, and so basically there's a fresh set of problems that are similar to the old ones fresh set of problems and there are fresh new leaders on the scene that have to sit down and dialogue and deliberate 
and come together to see if they can offer some tangible solutions. Now, some can, now though there are many similar similarities in terms of oppression, there are some differences. I think in in '72 it was all about it was mainly about politics and about a promise that if that if activists were able to reach the, the city council and the state legislature and the, and the county positions that they through this elected power and would be able to gain some black power. And um, I mean, and that's still the hope in many areas in the South that black people who are in these areas that are majority in these counties and cities would able be able to, to gain some greater power, you know, however, um, you know, there's like 30 or 50 years since then. So there's a more, there's a more pressing question amongst these organizers here as to exactly which way we will go for the struggle for self-determination. I mean, struggle for self-determination still has to be the heightened question for black nationalist leaders, uh, uh, no matter where they come from, whether they attorney or foot soldiers, the national question of exactly where we are, which way are we headed? Uh, uh, is something we have to meet, convene, and settle on, just like the leaders in the past. Whether whether our path is going to take us uh, through some type of path of reform or complete revolution or through some kind of integration or separation, these these are still on the table. We think we can deliver. The objective of any convention is to is to not just to speak and to talk, but to be able to let to deliver some offer the convention platform, deliver off of a platform so that somebody can point back and say in Tulsa in 2021, that was a change point. And so what I'm able to offer you at this point is that, is to tell you that honestly speaking, that black nationalism is spreading fast and it's spreading in areas that normally were slow, but it's fast. It's spreading fast in Texas. Black nationalism is spreading fast in Alabama, spreading fast in Georgia, spreading fast in Florida, spreading fast in the Carolinas, spreading fast in the Midwestern states and the Southern states. There's a there's an oppression that has gone on that has woken these brothers and sisters up, and the economic conditions have rallied them together, and they're not afraid to wear boots and fatigues and to declare that they are at war. They, and I've studied this thing from all sides. You know, it used to be New York. It used to be Philadelphia. It used to be Detroit that was the head of the nationalists. But I'm here to tell you today that it has shifted to the South, and it is expropriating rapidly. Just as fast as Black Lives Matter seems to be blowing up, I'm here to tell you the red, black, and green is catching fire everywhere. But the white man is not reporting it on TV because he's trying to control the narrative. Yes. So the job of the experienced veterans like us is to help capture the great energy and courageousness of these young people and make it victorious. Another thing that they're doing, the New Black Panther Party and the Huey Newton Gun Club and the Sisters of the Underground. These groups that they these are boot black boot fatigue wearing people y'all see out here on the Internet. They have went out here and found missing kids. They are out there finding missing children and showing the ability to find missing women without any funding or grants or anything, just boots on the ground. They have pulled off miracles, even though we just lost the daughter of one of our top comrades, Brother Sharif Amenhotep, and we lost his daughter, Sana, a missing child 
in the midst of this. We pray for them. But out of the midst of that, brother, I'm here to tell you that in Tulsa, a whole movement of just black activists that's committed to the missing children and finding black people missing on the underground is an is a untold story that uh, needs to be celebrated. So there's life over here in the black nationalist movement. And, 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 and I'm and continuing and hopefully continuing this thought, you know, and I want to get to your, your uh, suggestions of around the second amendment and what you raised about around the legal fight as it relates to gun ownership and, and just self-defense. Um, what do you see from that point? But um, still um, looking from the perspective of the convention and, and though this convention, but you know, all the conventions, I, I was saying to Elliot over the last two years, um, the convention, maybe even more, the convention movement has been intense um, by the um, what is nationalist community um, um, leading even before the the election, the national election, and even now after. So my 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 question for your reflection is: Do you see that the discussion now, and you did give some indication of what was going on in '72? is more towards governance or is it still in identifying as you um what policies we need to be emphasizing like um uh, reparations or 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 like economic development are are our national uh, conventions um have somewhere in there that be, we're having the discussion about gov- self-governance um, and I think that's a different perspective than in policy formation or, you know, what the problem is. Yes, sir. I would say right now we're headed more towards policies of self-governance, creative policies that lead towards self-governance, as well as aggressively pushing back against the system where we have to push back. Mm-hmm. That's why I would say this movement is pushing back aggressively against a a system that is oppressing us, fighting back, as well as developing uh, creative policies that represent self-determination. Okay, so, I mean, if you're black in America, you got to fight. You got to throw down somehow. You got to to know how to play some defense. Otherwise, you're going to get hit in the mouth. Okay, so so number one, you know, we have to have a, a, a constant, defensive line here you got to have a defensive line of attorneys and so that's what this movement has so one of my roles as a a lead attorney in 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 this wing of the movement as i'm helping to train i'm helping to train the other organizations and equip them with legal skills where they're going into the black community and, and 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 through my trainings and helping to train them as organizers in the spirit of huey newton they are now being able to reach the young brothers and sisters they're able to reach in the projects and teach them clues and keys on how not to get shot in the back of the behind by the police, mm-hmm. on how not to get keep getting jacked up and jammed up. But we have to keep coming behind these scenarios and, and, and trying to clean up after the blood has been spilled. You know, we're trying, we're working hard on the front end to help to, to, to teach black youth their legal rights. This is my this is my national project and goal over the next couple of years to work with all of these leaders and I'm in, in training the leaders on their legal rights. 
training the leaders how to train their officers on legal rights. So, so this is this is policy. Um, it's it's proactive in one sense, it's creative, but on the other hand, it's designed to defend against police brutality. Uh, 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 other things we have to constantly play defense against. You have to, uh, as an attorney in the movement, the way we team up, we have to have court watch. In all of these cities, there's different kind of court cases. Some of them police cases. Some of them have nothing to do with the police of all, but they have to deal with justice and sentencing and, and other aspects of the legal system. And the black movement, especially the black power movement, can be very effective. In, in dealing with judges and courtrooms and prosecutors and things that are of importance to all of our people in these cities, so that's where I, I'm 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 legally helping to guide and, and and put that part of the movement in the right place. It's it's a defensive operation, but it's also in the spirit of self determination. You know, um, um, other things um, that that this movement is coming forth with um, outside of the legal realm. That's my role, but it's a diverse movement. Um, economics, economics, for example. Now, I can tell you for sure that um, that there is a lot of talk on the table about pressing economic sanctions against certain entities. There is a lot of willingness just in the black power movement and the brothers and sisters that are on the streets as the weather is warmed up. They are looking for a fight out there and they are looking to be focused to put sanctions on businesses that are exploiting us in the community and so as we go into the convention as some of the leadership we're trying to put together a sanctions packet because uh because they want to they want to and i want to i think some of you all want to know and understand that certain businesses that are operating in the black community need to be taught a certain lesson some of them need to be shut down so uh that would come out of it yeah that's kind of that that kind of operation come out of this convention um there are more things that could come out of it um again the self-defense training there's an objective that we will become physically and militarily trained all over america that all of these groups will increase their membership and that all of us as leaders will unite together we want every black man and woman from the tip of Massachusetts and Rhode Island down to uh, Corpus Christi, Texas, all the way out to the Seattle, down to Florida, to, to be physically trained, to be physically trained, to be able to physically fight and defend themselves, to be able to survive. You know, if a knee is placed on your neck, uh, 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 we want we want our people to be at the gun ranges. We, we we it's like policy now, not just saying stuff. Like everybody, we kind of institute policy where everybody is either out at the gun range, uh, or if you in the south, you out in the woods, and that everybody can be properly trained on how to defend themselves. That's going to have some cumulative effect in all of this environment of white racism and white supremacy that's that more people in self-defense will be able to shoot back and so uh without promising too much my brother this is this is the some of the things that are coming out of the convention biggest thing that comes out of these conventions at a time like this is uh, in a time of warfare 
that other generals and commanders and leaders, we get to come together and meet each other and feel each other and work with each other and embrace each other. And that goes a long way. It's one thing to speak to somebody over the Internet. It's one thing to talk to somebody over the airwaves. It's another thing to meet and to greet and to spend time with your brothers out here on the battlefield. So when all of these brothers and sisters get to moving through Tulsa with these weapons uh, 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 on, on May 29th and, and, and the whole world is watching and, and all of this takes place, there's going to be a certain transformative spirit that comes about by us struggling together. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I don't promise that the whole world will change, but I guarantee you that the liberation struggle will be advanced. Attorney Shabazz, you know, um, I want, I want to follow up on something you mentioned earlier to Richard, that you've seen a shift in our people's response uh, to this racist government that we live under. Uh, in 1998, when James Byrd was lynched and Dr. Khalid and yourself as one of the chief organizers was down in Jasper, Texas, you've seen the people and how they reacted to James Byrd being lynched. And you're expressing a different perspective now. Now, help me with this, because... I've never been to Jasper. I've never been to Texas, to be honest. Now, and, and, and I'm just, I'm using a crude example. Uh, there was a movie made called Jasper, Texas. Uh, the actor Bokeem Woodbine played Dr. Khalid. And uh, Lou Gossett was the, uh, played the mayor down there. Uh, I understand they had a black mayor during that time. You, you know better than anybody. Uh, and, the, the thing I was focusing in on was the the environment that our people was living under in 1998 in Jasper, Texas. Uh, it, it would seem like I was watching a movie from the 20s. I'm talking about as far as their interaction with these white folks that lived there in that town. T- talk to me about when when y'all went down there to to aid the Bird family and to offer some solace and protection to the people in the community. Talk about the response then, and then you see a different response in Texas now. Talk about that. Give, a, give our listening audience a kind of a, a background of, of uh, both cases and what things going on. Well, um, you know, Khaled Muhammad is like a prophet. And the book of Khaled is a, is a chapter key chapter, 18th chapter called Jasper, Texas. And Khaled Muhammad emerges from his fallout in the nation of Islam. And he lands on his feet as the chairman of the new Black Panther Party. And by vigorously advocating in Jasper, Texas, as described in the book, um, Khaled Muhammad helps transform uh, black people's realities and responses to what the violence and the atrocities that are taking place in America. And he does this at this time being called an extremist and an outsider. And at that time he marches into Jasper, Texas with 20 men to counter the Ku Klux Klan who were making a mockery of James Byrd's uh, beheading. 
And, and basically, overall, Khaled Muhammad came to Jasper, Texas, to um, to open up the, the possibilities of black people's responses to racist killings to be very much beyond what had, the, the limitations that had been set by civil rights leadership. Uh, you know, at that time, it was mainly Jesse Jack, Reverend Jesse Jackson, and Al Sharpton would preside over every person's funeral, and they would have limited options of black people's responses as they were civil rights leaders and they were integrationists. So there was not a strong response until Khalid Muhammad began advocating for self-defense then. Mm-hmm. Prophetically, prophetically now, his call has come to light and the new Black Panther Party and, and the other gun groups now, there's armed self-defense gun groups just proliferated everywhere. And some of the great trainers that are out there, Brother Nick Bezel, Babu Omawali, Brother Talib Atunde, uh, uh, Brother Yakanan, and Brother Taco, the Black Riders Liberation Party. I mean, you've seen the NFAC last year, Grandmaster J and so forth. Um, Khaled Muhammad is the father of this. In a, in a certain sense. And so in this day and time, um, we have to see where we go. We're at a, we're at a, a moment where self-defense is becoming stronger, but the battle is just really opening up. And we have to see, uh, you know, what all of this means. You know, ultimately, we have to have a land and a territory of our own, brother. We have to have complete self-determination. We have to get down to the nuts and bolts to decide whether this is, whether where this will be and if it's even possible. And knowing that we need a nation, we need an army, we need a judiciary, we need attorneys, we have all the elements of, of a nation. You know, now where this nation will be and, and how it's going to be carved out is something that we got to discuss. But, you know... I mean, that's pretty much where we are right now. We're in a decisive point on on, on how our resources, the great things we build, how we're going to proceed in the future, you know, how we're going to take the baton from Khaled Muhammad and Louis Farrakhan's getting up in age and, and exactly where we're going to take it in the future. Or is it going to be directed by um, by George Soros or hmm. – or some other outside, it's going to Joe Biden or some other outside source. You know what I mean? The, the black movement is up for grabs now. Got white liberals trying to direct it. You yes. Know, you got a bunch of forces at play. That's what, yeah, that's why my, my thought about the, you know, moving towards um, uh, informal, and I've, I've seen others um, using, whether they're using the UN approach or whatever, informal governance process. Um, using the conventions from that perspective, um, in that you know it um, becomes important, um, you know, operating as a entity outside of the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, but you know, in the interest of you know the national um, needs of of African Black people um, who are who see that see the time as you speak of. Well, I mean, really what's needed is a declaration of independence. I mean, fundamentally, if, if, if all the questions of nationhood can't be answered, but this would probably be particularly useful in the United Nations and any other form, a, a majority or a significant amount of black organizations 
that believe in freedom and independence need to outline the terms of at least a declaration of independence. And they need to sign that declaration of independence. And, um, you know, you know, there is some time before this convention to put some of that framework in place. But I mean, you know, you know, these are kind of things I'm for, you know, I'm, I'm for 50 or a hundred, 50 or a hundred or 20 of the strongest of the black leaders who actually have organizations and followings right now to sit down and sign uh, protocols of cooperation, areas that they agree to work on, and at, at strongest to sign a declaration of independence. Um, because it's clear, I mean, as we do all of this activism work, but it's still clear that fundamentally our relationship with the United States of America is fundamentally flawed and is not getting ready to change. You know, Attorney Surprise, you, you just mentioned something that uh, <clears throat> that I want to talk about in relation to to you being involved with the New Black Panther Party and, and the Nation of Islam during that period. Uh, we see that our people are at a crossroads and I, and I'll use that term at a crossroads because you've always had a grassroots element, a large grassroots element among our people that wanted freedom for our people at, at any cost. But now you have, and it's been going on for maybe for the past 50 years or a little bit longer, a element of our people that want to assimilate and I won't use the term integrate because integrate uh, gives a different connotation. It's more assimilation than integration that want to assimilate at all costs. So I don't know how we reach because some of our people that don't know what's going on. And, 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 and that's one of the ways that uh, this power structure keeps our people in a fog because we don't have the proper venues and some of the so-called terrestrial black stations don't talk about these issues in earnest. They talk around them or they talk with talking points that they're given. But I think that we need serious discussion with not, ne not necessarily the grassroots. We understand what's going on, but the element of our people that want to assimilate, they are an obstruction to any type of movement our people have towards any type of freedom. And I'm not saying that because I want to trash them. It's true. I'll, I'll bring up some points maybe in the second hour uh, to, to show uh, the evidence of this. The evidence is clear. But how do we, if you look at that 72 convention, you didn't have a lot of black politicians at that time. But the ones that were there basically were against uh, the organizers of the convention because they seen the direction it was going in. The so-called powers to be seen the direction it was going in. In 1984, when the uh, Black Caucus at that time reached a memorandum of understanding and agreement with the Nation of Islam, uh, I think the NAACP and a few other groups saying that we're going to table all of this type of stuff and start developing strategies to move our people forward. We've seen other groups, white groups, 
religious white groups, uh, uh, Anglos and others get involved in this and tell the quote unquote leadership. Oh, no, 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 no. Who told you, you can do this. Uh, no, you're not doing that. And the movement was squashed at that time. How do we develop things among our people or do we just do things uh, separately as opposed to them almost a simultaneous type of uh, 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 gathering? Or do we try to reach those people to let them know that we have to do this together to a certain extent? I, I mean, how, how, as an organizer, how, how do you uh, straddle that fine line, so to speak? You mean those people? You mean which people? You mean moderate blacks or white people? No, no, no. I'm not talking about white at all. I'm talking about the... You talk, the you're, you're talking about moderate blacks. Yeah, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. want to straddle the fence, that don't want to be uh, considered too radical, that don't want to be associated with anything that you're doing or other organizers are doing because they're afraid of the white's response, the white backlash. And some of our people are looking at these people because they consider them leaders. You see it now. I can name a litany of the popular black candidates that that the average black person see as leaders. But when you look at what the policies that they're doing, the things they're saying, they're not they're not for the populace of black people. So how do we kind of circumvent them as an organizer? Help me with that. By just dealing straight with the people. Because okay. the, the days of what we used to call pharaohs, magicians, <laughs> their power has greatly waned. The power of the middleman or, or, or Malcolm X's description of Uncle Tom, um, this, this class of person's power over the people has been greatly diminished. This began in Ferguson in 2014. And since then, the streets have grown out of control. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of these these people are running behind the people, trying to run behind the struggle and catch up to it. But you can better believe that these days, these young people have seen enough police killings and enough black people shot down and knees in the necks. This young generation has woke up to racial injustice. and, And when they say whose street, and the answer's our streets. You better believe that they're controlling the narrative out there. They're controlling mainly the news. They're controlling the, the quiet, and they're controlling the riots. So um, so I say um, that the, that black people, you know, it just is the NAACP, brother, is just not out there no more. I'm just honest, honestly speaking. They just ain't out there no more. You know, it's just a different flavor out on the street. Um, than it was back in the 90s. Ain't no urban league out there on the street. <laughs> Ain't no service. I mean, National Action Network, now actually, in certain cities, the National Action Network has some decent organizers. You know what I mean? Sharpton has his thing going, and sometimes it's okay, and sometimes it's whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you that National Action Network does have some legitimate grassroots organizers. Rainbow Push, uh, that's damn near non-existent. They ain't out there on the ground nowhere. Urban League ain't no such thing as Urban League on the ground. I love the Nation of Islam, but the Nation of Islam is not out there on the ground in the black communities these days, you know. And so you got a bunch of new anti-police activists. You got 
You got people that they say is Black Lives Matter, but they're really not, and you have some actual Black Lives Matter. And you damn sure got some Black Panthers and some Black Nationalists out there. And um, and so the people, let's say the residents, the homeowners, uh, the people who may be Democratic voters on your books, they may be looking like a moderate Democratic voter in any city, such as Washington, D.C., Yet that average working class voter who's suffering from gentrification, who's suffering from um, violence in their community, from our own, they are open to hearing from some new, from some black nationalists. They want to hear from some Malik Zulu Shabazz. They want to hear from whoever can help get them out of this condition. So I still say it's wide open. Whoever can help black people and relief from what they're suffering from, which is Attacks attacks on the land and home ownership from gentrification, internal attacks from the black on black violence that continues to haunt us, police brutality, which is a national scourge, uh, and helping us with young people. Anybody that can provide solutions to that is going to win the black community. That's how the Nation of Islam used to win. I mean, they was being talked about bad. They was against Jews. They was against white people. And yet they was winning big inside of the black community because this one went to jail and he was out and he was Jonathan X and this one was in the hood and he was in jail and he was out and he was so-and-so Muhammad and they was helping the, they was rocking in that black neighborhood. And that's what, that's what, that's what caused the nation of Islam to overturn, overdo, outdo uh, uh, all the civil rights people because Farrakhan ran his program in the black ghettos and the black community. And that's continued to be where it is, directly serving black people. You know, black but, people want to be organized. That's how Black Lives Matter got right. an advantage. They came out of nowhere. Hell, they just went out there and started organizing, organizing the anger. Uh, we were, Richard, you were, go ahead, because I'll, I'll take yeah, a break it, after you uh, say what you're going to yeah, say. Yeah, I, I, I was wondering in, in that sense of, of you know, you had mentioned earlier about the um, the need for the you know your, your the push of lawyers, and I was just wondering, since 2014, have you seen the generation of of, of young black lawyers lawyers um, that you can t- tap into um, to be these advocates um, in support of the um, you know legislation or you know, just policy formation and support for organizers? increase that you're now able to bring in the folk that they're they're there just waiting to be touched or to be connected with uh, people like yourself has that number of that generation um uh, from your your from from the 90s to now has that increase of ones who are going into law and see they need to be um advocates um for black people you know i don't know the numbers and I need to find the numbers, and I hope it's a change. All I know is that the, there's a number of of black, particularly black males, that were going to law school and coming out of law school was dropping, and that mm-hmm. these numbers were dropping. And I'm hoping now with the people seeing that civil rights is a key issue, that more black students and people will go into law school. So... So I can tell you right now that it's it's a shortage of black male lawyers. It's a shortage of it's a shortage of black lawyers 
that would be in what we call the uh, the struggle for justice in general. Uh, I mean, there are a fair amount of black lawyers, but um, they're really not civil lawyers fighting constitutional cases. Um, I mean, many of them are, you know, I'm just saying, it's a lot of room. That's what I got to say. It's a lot of room out there. It's a lot of room for new black lawyers that want to fight, you know, to fight this system and advocate in different kind of ways. It's it's wide open field. And I would hope that, that brothers and sisters that shied away from law school and didn't want to go to law school will change their minds because it's a needed, it's a needed profession. And I'm going to say that it's an honorable profession from my perspective. You know, and the way I'm into it, I'm honored to be a black attorney. I'm honored to have a chance to stand up for somebody's rights. I'm honored to have a chance to be able to go to bat and to and to put some pressure on some counties and to and to and to put the heat on some put the heat on this system and and fight for some victims and fight to change some some uh, policies. And I'm getting into other fields. You know, there are other legal fields, other legal battles that are being won in the fight against gentrification and how they're lying and stealing and then the acquisition and the movement of properties in the community. A lot of these things uh, are occurring as a result of mortgage fraud and, and other fraudulent acts. And there are black attorneys that are fighting back. So my, 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 my approach in the legal field as I go forward is I'm expanding black lawyers for justice. You know, in this hour, I'm expanding the network of black lawyers for justice and some top civil litigators who are fighting in areas like I'm describing against mortgage fraud, against gentrification. I'm assembling a network of attorneys that is going to be every tough, as tough for black people as the ACLU claims to be for whoever they for. That's That's one of my visions right now, so. I got my hands full. I definitely want, you know, I want, I want, um, you know, I want it to be bigger than what the black legal scene is right now. It's, it's limited right now to, I guess, getting that big case or getting that client. Well, that's important. But we need institutional legal help. We need institutional legal training. We need institutional legal defense. Black people need a phone app, so when they get stopped by the police, they can hit the app right then and there and know what to say, what to do, have somebody to contact, where to push and press their evidence. Black people need legal shield, a legal protection, a legal organization, access to legal organization, legal rights, information. You know, uh, We need a legal fund so we can lead litigate and attack certain cases and not be limited due to litigation expenses. That's what the ACLU does. And they mm-hmm. sit up here and raise goddamn $20 billion or however many billion they would raise in a year. Or, uh, uh, and then they go about advocating and putting the heat on whatever parts of the system they want to put heat on because they have a litigation fund to pay for depositions, to pay for experts, and to prosecute cases that the average black individual attorney is not. So on an organizational legal level, I would say you can look for attorneyship eyes and black lawyers for justice to to be to uh to be pushing the the um 
to build a black legal organization is every bit as tough or tougher as the ACLU is for white people. That's what I want to tell you. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have a black legal organization, the National Bar Association. But if I say NBA to you, the only thing you're going to think about is LeBron James and uh, <laughs> uh, 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 Kobe Bryant. Kobe no, Bryant. No, no, we don't think like that. Now, come on now. <laughs> that's the way I think. When you tell me NBA, I don't go, oh, that's the National Bar Association, man. That's that's the largest group of black attorneys, man. They, they, well, well, what the hell are they doing? This is a critical time in legal civil rights. You don't see the National Bar Association is not a leading group that's known for fighting for our rights. And as much as I love, much as I love them, they, they, I mean, that's not what they do. And so that's what Black Lawyers for Justice is is is, is going to be increasing. You know what I mean? This fall, I'm gonna be in high schools and colleges all over America, some live, some online, teaching young black males how to survive police encounters. I got a new booklet coming out just for black men and black males, how to survive police encounters. You know what I mean? This needs to be taught as early as grade school. You know, how you deal, how, what, what is the nature of this system, who you are as a black man, what, what is your encounter with the police, what risk it carries, how to cut down on your risk, and how you can survive. And if you are violated, what should you do after that? You know, we've got to be a complete training and curriculum for mm-hmm. black people. And they need to come from our attorneys, top down through the people. You know, so I got my hands full out here, brother, honestly speaking. <laughs> We're going to take a brief break. And when we come back, you can get involved in the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. Again, that's 215-490-9832. we got some calls on the line. We'll get right back to them after the break. You can join the conversation with attorney and organizer and founder of Black Lawyers for Justice. Attorney Malik Zuzhabaz is with us this evening. Join the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. We'll be right back. Richard on time for an awakening media part of the black talk radio network for podcasting or live program scheduling hit them up at time for an awakening at gmail.com All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21. 
215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, Black Power, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global Kometsu you Black family, to join your interconnected Kometsu you Black communities, escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. I am an African. The death of my brother is also my death. Let me put this question to you again, because many foolish black middle classes and many foolish people who are eating well think that they can sit in America and watch this country destroy the African continents and watch this country destroy African Caribbeans and watch this country destroy Africans in Central and South America and think that these same people who destroy Africans abroad will not be the same people who will destroy them in America. There are fools in this, this country who try to claim that they are not Africans, who claim that they do not see color, as if they're not seeing color makes any difference in the world. Simply because you don't see color doesn't mean somebody does not see you as color, and that's the issue. And you think then that you can sit in this country while this same nation and these same people that you sleep with and marry and love and so forth can go out and destroy African people and not think those people do not see you as African. Even though you choose not to see yourself as African, you'd better think again. You're out of your minds and you're headed for death. You must understand that. Hide behind it. I am an American. Ladies and gentlemen, these death and destruction of black people will follow those kind of abstractions.
probably the next five or ten years will indicate whether or not the black man can survive. Our struggle for survival is a very real struggle. And the white man has prepared genocide for black people. Unemployment, the black man is no longer necessary. Unemployment is going to be a way of life for black people. We are going to face increasing dangers and problems as the days pass. And we're totally unequipped as black people to deal with them. We're a part of a slave culture. We have no preparation. We have no black institutions capable of dealing with white racist institutions designed to serve only white people. We must deal with the problem that confronts black people by building black institutions, by understanding that only a separate disposition is a viable position for black people. Any organization or any leader in America who today advocates integration is a foe and an enemy of black people and their survival in the coming years. In this crooked game of power politics here in America, the Negro, namely the race problem, integration, civil rights issue, are all nothing but tools used by the whites who call themselves liberals against another group of whites who call themselves conservatives, either to get into power or to retain power. Among whites here in America, the political teams are no longer divided into Democrats and Republicans. The whites who are now struggling for control of the American political throne are divided into liberal and conservative camps. The white liberals from both parties cross party lines to work together toward the same goal. And white conservatives from both parties do likewise. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political football. listening to Time for an Awakening, Time for an Awakening, with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's uh, 818 here in the city of Philadelphia on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening, our guest this evening, attorney, organizer, and founder of Black Lawyers for Justice, attorney Malik Sulu Shabazz is with us. And you can join the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. Again, that's 215-490-9832. Before we go back to the conversation, let me get a couple of these calls in that's been waiting on the line. Let's go to 267. 267. Yes, Brother Elliot. How about Brother you, Richard. Yes, yes. You have a a great guest here. Um, My brother, I'll tell you about Dr. Aleem and the soldiers that came out of 
12 in in Philadelphia, we could talk about the soldiers that came out of D.C. You know, uh, Dr. Lion Shabazz was the head of that temple in the 70s and earlier than that because Malcolm pulled them. But they were known as the intellectual mass. So a brother like this that's on now is a part of that, that intellectual D.C. folk. And you know what, my brother, that from Charles Hamilton Houston to Thurgood Marshall, from Thurgood Marshall to Dean Ramsey at the time when you had Howard, they would be proud of you because you're a social engineer and not a parasite. See, that, that's what Howard did. That's what Howard did at one time. And, and, Thank and you I'm so much. Say, yeah, without a doubt, listen to me. And I've been around Khaled. I've seen Khaled. And Khaled was a special person. And, 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 and you, him physically, him mentally, pure heart, all man. What I mean by a man's man, righteousness. And Khaled would be impressed with you. You know, he'd take, he would take a bullet for Farrakhan. You know what I'm talking about. All kinds yes, of heart. I know what I'm talking about. And listen to this. A little bit before I joined the nation, I went to school with Conrad. Conrad and I went to Lincoln together. A little older than him. I, I was a senior. He was a freshman. He winds up at Penn. And he became that intellectual D.C. Moss. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. and, and that's right. And um, I remember when Khaled was East, Brooks, East Coast represented on the West Coast. And I think Conrad uh, was on the East Coast. And he has a different persuasion now in religion. Okay, but I'm stating that. So much that went on. But I'm happy to see you focus. And I mean that. And what I mean by that is, is that a lot of us get swallowed up and do other things because nation's rough and it changes. It's like anything else in America, it can be absorbed. So, brother, I like what you're doing and don't stop. In the book of Colin, I heard about it. And I remember when he, he went to Texas, and, and the guy was David Byrd. Didn't they come to a pickup truck? And, and as a result of it, his head was decapitated. Am I, am I telling the truth about that? That's correct. That's correct. Yeah, I, I remember it. And, and, I, and I remember Colin when he was let go in the nation. And when he was let go, I used to, could not wait till he came to the, the tip of the Black Messiah. That was Reverend Barashango. That was always a treat. And he would do some, he could do all kinds of things, but he, he would do some guerrilla affairs that would just take you out. He had one brother on the left, one brother on the right, and he had in between them a, a, a sheet, a black sheet with a triangle. He said, what's behind that triangle? And you know what he said? One thing he said, look, all you reporters is in here, that's not our complexion, get out now. Mm-hmm. He said, you don't belong in here. He said, you don't belong in here. And he would throw down. And it was always a treat with Reverend Barashango and Khaled. I missed him, man. You know what I mean? I like walking with him and talking with him. And I'm, he yes, would sir. be happy. He would be happy to hear you. I love it. Keep it up. Thank you for your contribution. Right. Let's go to. Thank you for. Oh, good. Thank you, brother, for your warm words. Just thank you so much. And my power to you. Let's go to 504 in Louisiana. 504, are you there? 504? Hello. Greetings, brothers. Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Greetings. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. I can hear you. Great. Uh, I want to thank you for this wonderful guest that you have on for us this evening. 
have a couple of comments and a couple of questions I'd like to uh, bring up. Um, uh, Brother uh, Zulu Shabazz was talking about um, having something or having a defensive strategies and an offensive strategy. Well, I'd like to suggest for the offensive strategy, since we're living in the day and time that we're living in, especially for the Negroes and Blacks who are afraid of revolution, to suggest that there be an all-out organized effort to get people that are registered to vote to also push for a constitutional convention. Mm. Black folks want freedom. Well, there it is. Mm. It's time after the failed 200 plus years that the laws and policy of this incorporated institution be done by those who are supposedly have a stake in it to be able to put together the mechanisms by which which it's going to operate. Um, The brother had mentioned uh, May 29th and talked about a convention. Um, Maybe I tuned in a little later, but I'd like to hear more about what May 29th is and about this convention of organizations around the country coming together to put together some sort of memorandum of understanding. And for that, I thank the host as well as the guest. Thank you very much. Thank you for your contribution. And I'm going to get him to mention that again. In fact, you can mention it right now. Uh, yes, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you for your well-put question. The National Black Power Convention will take place in Tulsa, Oklahoma, May 28th through the 30th. May 28th through the 30th, Friday through Sunday, on the 100th anniversary of the Black Wall Street Massacre commemoration in Tulsa. It's going to be a very special weekend. The focus is on reparations, on and it's on police brutality, and it's on building a black united front at this point. And it's looking more and more like a type of black constitutional convention where black organizations are going to get together and they're going to agree that we are going to train our entire population, that we're going to fight on a united front for reparations, that we are going to fight on a united front against police brutality, and we're going to fight on a united front to stop the killing in our community. And and we want to get together and say that we declare and have a declaration of independence. We need to talk about that. And so before, uh, uh, we're open right now. You can find out more about this at blackpanthermovement.org. Blackpanthermovement.org would be the website. My name is Malik Zulu Shabazz. You can follow me on Facebook and uh, or just and you can find out more about this National Black Power Convention for black people that want to be free and they want 
They want black nationalism. If you like black nationalism, this is what we do. Did you get that? Uh, did you hear it? Yeah. Oh. BlackPanthermovement.org. I'm sorry. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Good, good. Okay. Thank you for your call, sir. Let's go to 404. 404. 404. Hey, peace and blessings. Hey, y'all hear me? How y'all hear me? Yes, sir. Hey, look here, my man. Uh, hey, good show. Hey, there's so much information out there now. And uh, you're right. We do need uh, a legal defense fund. I think Brother Africa getting ready to set up a legal defense fund so you attorneys can get paid so we can get our stuff cleaned up our records. But, uh, there's a speech out with Dr. King that said, uh, uh, don't let them take your manhood where I signed my own Emancipation Proclamation. Okay, that right there. We signed our own Emancipation Proclamation that we be free of them devils. And as far as uh, this warfare thing, man, you, hey, hey, y'all know they got more weapons than to make a bullet obsolete, man. Okay, and I've seen these weapons on, on people. And in Philadelphia, they, they turned, it was some uh, uh, teenagers in the park. They turned on their air rad, and them, them teenagers just dispersed. It's called an air rad, long-range acoustical device. Had any one of us had that, when they had George Florida in them, take it down. You could knock the hell out of these damn devils with that air rad, man. Okay? And it worked. I studied warfare, man. Okay? And I'm into uh, uh, new, new age directed energy weapons, man. And it worked, y'all. I'm telling y'all. All right? I don't want to put too much out there. But Elliot, I posted where y'all can get one. Okay? And it worked, man. Okay? And, and, and my man, have you ever talked to Attorney Shabazz? I mean, not, uh, uh, what is his name? Aftermatic. You ever talked to Attorney Aftermatic? Yes, sir. That's a good question, my brother. I like your spirit. I like this show. All these guests are real down-to-earth people. Attorney Alton Maddox is one of my mentors, and he's a man that I have a high amount of respect for because as an attorney, he went up against the system uh, early on, and he met retribution for that. And he's one of our great thinkers and our great freedom fighters. And uh, he's one. And he came to my law school when I was a law student, and uh, he inspires me to stand up as a, as a attorney. And I, I respect him, and I respect the United African Movement, and long live his great wife. May God rest her soul, Sister Leona Maddox. Oh, yeah, one more thing. I want y'all to look up something called a passenger pigeon. Okay, it was billions of them in America, and they got to be extinct. And I read up on how they killed them passenger pigeons, and they got extinct. So I'm kind of in line with my man James that called in, man. But uh, it's wall time, man. All this talking, time to quit talking, quit singing, and start swinging, man. You get you an L-Rad, man. Y'all get you an L-Rad, bro. This shit work. You can knock a hell out of somebody with sound. You know where it come from, man. Okay? <laughs> Go ahead. Thank you for your call. I won't talk too much, man. Black power all the time, man. You black what, power to you, you right, got, man. man. Yes, sir. I can yes. shut somebody's mouth with a sound weapon, man. I love y'all. Peace and bless. Talk to you. Love you, too, brother. Peace. Let's go to Oberlin, Ohio. Oberlin, Sean. How you doing? How are you, sir? I'm I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm just uh, listening to the guest. Um, I don't really have any questions. I just um just listening, and I you know what I'm saying I, I I I um I'm glad for the work. I a lot of this stuff I didn't hear about. If you know if I could get out there, I would. Um, 
I just, I'm just, I just want to say thank you. You know, you, you know, um, you can, uh, you can take me off the line. You can go ahead and mute me. Thank you for your contribution, sir. Can I something to him? Can I? Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, you still there? Yeah. Yeah. I'm here. Go ahead. Go ahead and turn your brass. Brother Malik, you there? I'm right here. I want to say that this is a great time for young brothers and young sisters out here who are coming up and who are being conscious of the fact that, you know, what it means to be black in this world. So I want to encourage them uh, on two tracks. I want to encourage young people uh, to go and get that education because you're going to need that education. Because as the more you get involved and see the struggles of black people, you get out here in the movement, they're going to be talking about black business and and, we, and and all the things that you need to be skilled in that you can learn in school. They're going to be talking about they need this in the movement. You're going to find this out as you go along in life. So I want to urge you, con- urge you to make your way through college if you can. If college ain't your thing, I want to urge you to go into a vocation to learn about uh, uh, home construction and building construction and learn how to work with your hands and learn plumbing and, because all of these cities is being renovated and, and, and one way or the other they coming up and the brown man is getting all the money but not the black man. So I encourage vocational and building sciences and know-how and I also encourage real estate development and investment and learn all of these nation-building skills as young people uh, uh, as you come up as revolutionaries, because as you're going to see, your people are going to need them. We need more lawyers. We need more contractors. We need more plumbers. And so just a major contribution you can do while you're young is get those skills that we need to build a nation of our own. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you for your contribution, brother. Let's go to 505 in Albuquerque. 505, are you there? Five oh five. Just li- just listening. Oh, I'll put you back on hold. Let's go to Albuquerque again. Are you there? Hello. Yes, I'm here. Okay. Can you hear me? I think you got me on speaker. Can you come a little closer or oh, take? Hold on, hold on. All right. Oh God. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, uh, that's better. Go ahead. Okay. Uh. I'm Brother Montego. I'm 72 years of age. Um, you know, I was in health, you know, in um, pretty good physical shape most of my life. Now, and, you know, the more football needs and stuff slow me down, but I teach. I walk as best I can. I talk and I preach to the younger people. And uh, fomenting revolution, basically. Now, we need coast to coast. One thing about the civil rights struggle back in the day, we had coast to coast communication between organizations. Frats, sororities, you name it, we had communication going on. You know, we had a lot going on. That's the reason why they had to come up with COINTELPRO and that sort of stuff. To stop us. Okay? We need that now. Other than that, everybody should have a weapon. I got mine. Anybody trying to bust down my door, you know, I got something for them. You hear me? Because these are the times we're living in. Okay? I don't, uh, 
I'm originally from the Black Wall Street. Okay, born in 1948 at Motown Hospital, which is now a it's a historical landmark, but the white folks spent a lot of time trying to tear it down. Anything that has anything to do with progress made by black people in that part in Oklahoma, in Tulsa specifically, the white folks spent years trying to tear it down and treat it like it never existed because they don't want people to understand not only did those brothers and sisters have those businesses down on Wall, Black Wall Street, they would leave go to the country 30, 40, 50 miles when they got off the job where they had their cows and horses and oil, oil. And uh, that's where the oil companies came from. Phillips, 66, Amoco, all of these companies have a history within that oil company. That's the reason why Oprah couldn't make her featureless movie. And what we got was some fake crap called Watch the Watchman which was about, which was, you know, 90%, you know, Twilight Zone, the other part, a little bit like Black Wall Street. And that was it. You know, mm-hmm. and I used to live with my girl until she made that move. So we're in a position right now where we need to be organized coast to coast. Our people are in such disarray. Our women, it's sad. And a lot of our the younger women, some of them got it going on. But so many of our women are with the wigs and the and 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 and, and their body parts and all the stuff that they're doing. They really back to the movie, The Black Panther, was the most beautiful part of that movie. So I see those sisters with those beautiful black afros. Now, you don't know what they wear. Blue, green, red, purple, I mean, all of this stuff. Not to mention the fact that every other commercial shows a black woman with a white man. Okay? There's a lot of crazy stuff going on these days, bro. I appreciate you guys being on the air. Friend of mine from Brooklyn called me up to let me know you guys were on today. And so I've been listening for about an hour and, uh, I was I was wondering what what where are our people these days? Where is our real response these days to whatever is going on? You, you did? Uh turned me off to see Michelle Obama hugging on Bush. And her husband standing there, he doesn't quite know what to do. You understand? You know, what was he supposed to do? Go over and start hugging on Bush's wife? You know, Michelle, you know, she, I don't understand a lot of things these days, bro, but I understand one thing. Anybody come in my place, try to come in my place the way they did black people at the Black Wall Street years ago, I got something for them, bro. You know, you got to, to be free, you got to be willing to die. Okay? So that's all I have to say. I want to thank you for your program and keep on doing what you do. Thank you for your contribution, brother. Brother Malik. Man, all of these guests are strong on this show. <laughs> Man, every every caller that calls in, every caller that calls in is a strong, real person. And I can appreciate that. And brother, we're trying to do the best we can do in this day and hour. 
Uh, I like your position on self-defense. That's what we're striving for, is for, for all black people to be trained, just to be weapon trained. You know, we say right now, just go to the range right now. Just go out to the range and get familiar, you know, and because it's a dangerous world out there. There's crazy fools assassinating people out here and, and doing all kind of wild acts. Every night I look at it mm-hmm. on the news and, and black people are not loved and we need to be, we need to be trained. And that's, that's, that's number one thing. And yes, we are communicating. I'm, I'm doing my best with my national experience to link right. up black leadership throughout the country. You know, I can't speak for everybody, brother, but I'm doing my part uh, yes. uh, to unite, to unite the whole. Mm-hmm. And I hope you will. Yeah. And just you we'll monitor. Our, yes, sir. One more time. Sir. Yes, sir. I could be wrong. Uh, you know, I could be wrong. But I don't think I am. That that mess about us and the Brown brothers. The Mexicans don't see themselves as being our brothers. If they did, you know, every weekend you had a news report from Chi-Town about all the murders, and, and there's a lot of them going on. Hell, it's being fueled by the damn Mexican cartel. What are these people? I mean, is it something I'm missing? There was a time when we were together with the Mexican people when they had a, a very aware, astute leader named Cesar Chavez, and he at the time, back in the day, I lived in Sacramento. Dude, you know, part of this whole thing is you got to move around. You got to travel. You got to read. You got to stay up on some things so you'll know what's really going on so when you open your mouth, you know what you're talking about. So people can't, you know, if Mexicans start trying to read me my history, I'm going to take them back to Juarez. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take them back to Juarez. I'm going to take them, I'm going to read their history to them, and I bet you I'm going to be more accurate than they are about money. I'm not going to let somebody who comes over here one week buffing us out of the way of everything and then turn around the next week and think they're going to read me my history. I'm not going to take it. And I just like they got a twister. It's not put women that come over here with the big bellies, you know, half that belly is two three kilos of cocaine headed for the black community. Okay? So there are a lot of things going on now, a lot of dynamics. There are some aware people, even some aware Mexican people. I'm not going to trash them, but at the same time, once they start thinking they made a little progress, offer our nickel, our dime, the civil rights struggle, Martin Luther King uh, coming together with Cesar Chavez. If it wasn't for our movement, they'd all still be out there picking peppers. But now they think they don't need us. And they're out there with the man, you did, doing the man's bidding. Uh, and they walk I- all over us like we're in. So I just want to, you know, when we get into this thing, we want to know who's who. It's like when you got 10,000 people out there in the streets, Black Lives Matter, marching around, all kinds of folks, supposedly. Let's let's just figure it out. At least a 1,000 of them work for the CIA or the FBI. People got to get really aware of what's really going on. See, I'm moving to those old folks. We, we knew all about the FBI, CIA, all those people. Well, your point on other races. Your point on your point on. Thanks for your contribution, brother. 
Go ahead. Yeah, he's keeping it real. Thank you for keeping it real. And your contribution on um, other races' position on us in general appears to be accurate, you know. I mean, things may have been different in the past, but they have changed right now. And, um, you know, <laughs> I, I won't say – I can't come on here and say that the brown man is my enemy but I can't validate and certify him as my friend. You know, if I don't come on here and Joe Biden probably going to get me anyway, I won't come on here and say that the Asian is my enemy, but I cannot give him a certification card that he is my friend in this day and hour. You know, we have only ourselves, brother, you're, you're, you're most certainly right. We have only ourselves and you kept it 100. Let's go to nine one nine nine one nine. Are you there? Raleigh, North Carolina. Raleigh? Raleigh, can you hear me? You're breaking up, Raleigh. Are you there? Call back on another line. Let's go to uh, 215. 215, are you there? 215. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Peace, Brother Elliot. How are you, sir? What's going on? It's Brother Oba. How are you? What's going on, Brother Richard? How's everybody? All right, now. How you feeling? I'm well, man. I'm well. I'm well. Um, just listening to the show tonight. And uh, um, definitely um, um, loving the show. Loving the show. Uh, I have had an opportunity to hear um, Brother Malik speak uh, um, often the last couple of months uh, on Facebook. Um, don't know Brother Malik personally, but I have been following you for many, many years, uh, going back to your time at Howard, uh, when the brothers, the Defying Giants were there, um, uh, you know, um, and I've definitely, uh, you know, appreciated and admired your work. Um, uh, a lot of what you've been talking about is a lot of the same things that uh, I stand for, and I've definitely had the opportunity to talk to Brother Elliot and Brother Richard about as far as uh, unification of, uh, of of our people in this day and time. This is not an easy task, but is um, and, and and has its difficulties and its challenges. But at the same time, it's something that is needed. Uh, the time to be able to talk and reason and listen to one another, even if we don't agree on everything, that is best for us as African people that we agree on most things um, so that we can um, unify and come together um, regardless of, uh, you know, um, religious, spiritual doctrine or, you know, uh, political, social affiliations, um, knowing and understanding that we're very, very clear um, when it comes to the um, task of nation building and the task of being self-sufficient and self-reliant for ourselves and our children and future generations to come. And uh, I look forward to hearing more from you and definitely one day meeting you and working together with you uh, to accomplish this goal on a much broader and um, a wider uh, um, um, view perspective. Hey, Black Man, thank you so much, brother, for your for your wise words and your sincere words. Thank you so much. And um you know, uh, we were taught these things in the late 80s and the early 90s at our black mm-hmm. colleges and college campuses. We were taught all of these black conscious things. And then it seemed for a while, like in the early 2000s and going into Obama, where things had changed, right? 
And we were told we was in a post-racial environment and things mm-hmm. was a little bit different. But now, but now we clearly see that what we were taught back in college and what we was taught at them times that is well needed right now. You know, yep. that, that we're in a, we're in an all-out racial fight and an all-out fight for justice. And I'm I'll be honored to work with you in any way as I can, brother. Okay, I really would. I suggest you get the book of Khalid. Already uh, had the it, book brother. of Khalid Muhammad. I, I, yeah. I already had it. I already had it. Uh, Here it is. It's such a, a great love for Khalid. I I call him uh, one of my spiritual fathers. Um, you know, I I love that man, and and one of the regrets I have is that I never had the opportunity to soldier with him. And if uh-huh. I if I would have had to do it all over again, and if he was still amongst us on this physical plane, that I would definitely be one of his uh, soldiers. Uh, I love that man, and yeah. um, he his spirit um, lives in me and works through me to be able to lead us to where we need to be as a people, um, uh, as far as uh, uh, an Sorry, sovereign individual, independent sovereign people. That's right. That's right. That's all you no, need, because he told us many of these things now, brother. He told us then. He told yes. us that the system was going wasn't going to change. He That's told right. us how how hard the, that 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 the white man was. He told us how vicious and and, and bad a problem mm-hmm. police brutality mm-hmm. was. He told us that integration would not work, and and he was isolated for that. But yet, people <laughs> the people today are saying Khalid Muhammad is right, and I'm glad you're carrying his spirit. If you read that book, you're going to carry his spirit because. Basically, yes. he's a he's a black man that's moving through this society, fighting for his right. people, overcoming all obstacles. And every right. black man can relate to that. You got to move through these obstacles in society, black man, and you got to fight for your people. And that's what this life is all about for us as black men. Right. Right. Okay. Thank you for your contribution, brother. Bless you, brother. No problem. Follow Thank us you. on Black Panther. You can follow me on two forms. You can follow me legally on blackrightsmatter.com, blackrightsmatter.com. That's the website for Black Lawyers for Justice. Or you can um, go to blackpanthermovement.org, blackpanthermovement.org. That's where you can learn all about the convention in Tulsa, and that's where you can follow the action in the Black Nationalist Pan-African Movement. No problem. We're going to take another brief break and we still got a little time left and there's a couple of callers still left on the line Uh, in the time left. You can join the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're in conversation with attorney, organizer, and founder of Black Lawyers for Justice, attorney Malik Zulu-Shabazz. And uh, like I said, in the time we have left, join the conversation. Callers on the line, stay with us. We'll be right back.
You are listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening. With host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media. Part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowner's insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. I transformed a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one of the tangible transformations I've created for entrepreneurs in various industries around the country. If this isn't what you think of when you think of accounting and business consulting, then get ready to take down this invaluable information. Are you an entrepreneur suffering with a stagnating company? Have headache customers, staff, or vendors? Are you rebounding from a loss and need help achieving your unrealized potential? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? Hi, my name is Nataki Kanban. If you're ready to go beyond advising and coaching and get results, then call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions recommend and implement the best comprehensive sales, administrative, human resources, accounting, and operations to help you grow into your vision for yourself and your company. Again, from anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072 or pull us up on your device right now and book your free consultation at www.newbusinesssolutions.com. Just mention you heard this special announcement on Time for an Awakening. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. For 12 years, I and others like me have held out radiant promises of progress. I had preached to them about my dream. I had lectured to them about the not-too-distant day when they would have freedom all here now. I had urged them to have faith in America and in white society. Their hopes had soared. They were now booing me because they felt that we were unable to deliver on our promises. They were booing because we had urged them to have faith in people who had too often proved to be unfaithful. They were now hostile because they were watching the dream that they had so readily accepted turn into a frustrating nightmare. And so the collision course is set.
the desegregation decisions and other type of legislation and Supreme Court decisions depends upon changing the white man's mind. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches uh, us that our own mind has to be changed. We have to change our uh, mind about ourselves. In what way? Well, so he uh, teaches us the importance of moral reformation, uh, a knowledge of self. And, uh, for instance, the average so-called Negro, he doesn't think that he can uh, go into business and provide jobs for himself. And because of this, he thinks that he can only get a job from the white man, or he can only get clothes from the white man, or he can only get food from the white man. And we who follow the Honorable Elijah Muhammad are taught that uh, the same thing that the white man has done for himself and his kind, uh, if our people could uh, be uh, wrecked, if, they could, if we could be cured of our slave mentality that was uh, indoctrinated into us during slavery, we would realize that just as the white man can do these things for himself and his kind, we can get together in unity and harmony and do the same thing for ourselves and our kind. not wondering at all about them. What I'm concerned with the suffering and the pain of the masses of black people. No one wants to pay reparations. The Jews received over a hundred billion dollars in reparations and gets four billion annually. A Holocaust museum was set up for them on this soil for over two hundred million dollars and they get two twenty-one million annually just for operating expenses. But the Catholic Church, the Pope, the Jews, the Arabs, white people in general, no one wants to pay reparations to these, the sons and daughters of Africa. So I speak to them. I don't speak. I speak to them. I don't speak to the family of those two Jews. There are too, too many of us for me to speak to them. And one of the reasons why I'm always happy to come to this organization, because you're the only one, you're the only black organization, again, that understands to put race first. Race first. Race first. And I've had some white folks to tell me that I was a flaming militant, a radical, or whatever all of these names were that they called me. And I said that I am very pleased that you called me a nationalist, because you could have said that I was a member of the NAACP of the Urban League. So I said, I'm very pleased of the names that you have given. But I say that because we put race first, something is wrong with us. But everybody else puts their own first because God blessed the child who has his own. And so I think that race first is very important. And though we meet in a different venue, we're not at the slave theater, we're not at the church, we're now at the Masonic Temple, it really does not matter where we are physically. It matters where we are in our minds. And wherever we meet, as long as we know that we're Africans and as long as we know that we're black people living here in America, we know exactly who we are. You notice you can put an Uncle Tom in any venue in the White House. You can even put him in his. He'll still be a Tom. You can put him anywhere you want. Well, it's the same thing with us who are strong people. Wherever we are, we're going to be the people that we need to be. Let me just say this before our time winds up. And that is, I want 
the people in the audience to go back and look at the video clip from Roots. It's entitled something like Breaking Kunta Kente. That scene opens with Lauren Green uh, sitting in, who's the plantation master, sitting in his office and then Fiddler comes in and says, um, uh, we don't want to be too hard on the runaway. Kunta Kente has just run away and been caught. And um, so the time comes for him to get his lashing. And if you look at this scene, it's about nine minutes, and study the scene. Study the role of everybody or bodies that are in this particular clip. And you will find that there is an equivalent role in the political life of our country today, whether it's on the national level or on the local level. There's the black man who actually does the whipping of Kunta Kinte. There's the white man who does the whipping. There's the black man who intervenes with the boss man and tries to save the life of Kunta Kinte. There's Kunta himself, who eventually is forced to admit that his name is Toby. And there's a there's dozens of bystanders, black, who are watching. This, this is a very powerful thing. And it's an analogy of exactly what is happening in our community today. Let's give those characters names in our community and call them what they are and then take care of business about that. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 9.01 in the city of Philadelphia, and we're coming down the home stretch of the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Our guest, attorney, organizer, and founder for Black Lawyers for Justice, attorney Malik Shulu Shabazz, is with us this evening. You can slip in and get involved in the conversation at the time we have left by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Uh, a couple callers still left on the line. Uh, Attorney Shabazz, before we go to our next caller, there's a couple of things I want to share to get your perspective on on this because what we try to do on this program is use it to showcase our folks around the country and sometimes internationally that's trying to organize and make moves for our people. But we also use the program to point out the contradictions 
for people that might not understand what we're up against. And you do have a, a percentage of our people, and I, I would say small. I would I hope hope I'm right that don't understand uh, what we're dealing with. Almost like uh, Dr. King said in that clip, almost like a voice from the grave saying that he, uh, our people having uh, faith and people who have too often proved to be unfaithful. He was talking about Europeans. He said it in the clip. Let me let me share with you two things here because they all go back politically to the quote-unquote black leadership. Now, this is a published report out of Minneapolis. It says, new data shows that the Minneapolis Police Department searches black drivers at 29 times the rate of whites after minor stops. Uh, Analysis revealed huge racial disparity continues in in Minneapolis for minor traffic stops and searches despite reforms promised after George Floyd's death. Black drivers account for more than half of those stops so far in 2021, despite making only making up only 20% of the city's residents, according to data. Whites make up about 64% of the city's population, but have been pulled over just 18% for similar stops. That means Minneapolis police have stopped black drivers for violations like expired tags or broken taillights at nine times the rate of white drivers. The disparity is even more dramatic if you consider how often police search the vehicles of black drivers after stops for equipment violations. Records show that black drivers were involved in more than 70% of the searches overall, 26 times more than searches done by white drivers. So we see here that after all of the narrative and the and the uh, whites on the street, Island, George Floyd, George Floyd, and and verdicts coming down, that these policies and practices don't seem to be changing. Now, uh, according to that uh, leaked uh, footage of Biden uh, admonishing all of those blacks in his office, including Kamala Harris and others about stop this stuff about uh, defunding the police because you notice that have kind of died down. All of a sudden the conversation comes up about the uh, qualified immunity about these police having qualified immunity. And now all of a sudden one of the top uh, black leadership Clyburn uh, comes out and states that he's against uh, being part that being part of any police reform bill, that uh, qualified immunity doesn't have to be part of it. Um, He mentioned something else, too, on CNN this morning. It's a clip he he played uh, that I'm going to play because it sounds similar to Tim Scott and Kamala Harris, who's supposed to be in two different parties. But let me play what he said on CNN's uh, program this morning for our listening audience. Let's talk about the prospects of uh, Biden's legislative proposals. Take a listen to something Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said this week. 100% of my focus is on standing up to this administration. What we have in the United States Senate is total unity from Susan Collins to Ted Cruz in opposition to what the new Biden administration is trying to do to this country. What's your take on that comment? Does that mean that there's no hope for bipartisanship in the Senate? Mitch McConnell has some personal animus 
uh, toward uh, Democrats that ought not be. We are one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Let's operate like that. This, this Republican Party is losing its way on all fronts, and Mitch McConnell is contributing to that in a big way. Uh, we're, we're one nation under God. Uh, the Republican Party is losing its way, and I think that uh, Jim Clyburn has lost his way if he believes that gobbledygook crap that he just stated. Now, he's in leadership of black people, political leadership. Now, one other thing to point out the contradiction, and then you've got two callers left, and I'm going to get to you in a second. Um, they've been going around the country with this narrative of blacks abusing Asians, even though the white boy went down there and shot Asians in the massage pile and killed several of them. Uh, black people on the national level and on the local level. Here we got a national congressman that was out there marching with Asians a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they had a rally in the center city of Philadelphia last week, and some local politicians and probably some of the same national ones was out there again rallying on behalf of Asians, uh, basically telling our people, admonishing black people about supposedly abusing Asians because a couple of people that had clear mental issues uh, smacked one Asian and, and, and kicked and beat up another one. Now, let me share this with the listening audience and just get the Tony Shabazz's perspective on both of them. This is, came from a published report a couple of days ago. The Proud Boys saw a wave of contributions from uh, Asian diaspora before the Capitol attack. The donation cheer uh, came in around 10 p.m. on December 17th. The donor named Li Zhang gave $100 a few minutes later. June Lee gave a hundred. Uh, I can't remember. I can't pronounce a lot of these Asian names, but I'll skip some of it. It says uh, Asians gave over eighty $86,000 to a fundraiser of crowdfunding for uh, give, send, go for members of the extremist group, the Proud Boys. Their gifts made up 80% or $106,000 raised for medical costs for members of the Proud Boys uh, who were stabbed during violent clashes in Washington in mid-December. The donations included a trove hacked the uh, gifts and go data provided to USA Today and posted on the whistleblower site uh, distributed denials of secrets. And it raised several questions to chiefly why would people of Asian descent and the Chinese American community donate to organizations with deep ties to white supremacists whose members flash white power signals and post racist uh, memes in social media. Now, they released this published report that these Asian community has been given to the Proud Boys, a clear white nationalist group tantamount to the KKK. But you got black politicians running around telling black people, that stop abusing Asians. Now, either these black politicians are a day late and a dollar short or just plain stupid. Because if I can read, they can read. You've got these Asian groups that's been given to the Proud Boys, but black politicians are going out speaking in behalf 
of Asian Businessmen's Association and Asian Community Association. Our people got to wake up. Attorney Shabazz, any comments on those two things before we go to these last couple callers? I got just a few more minutes. Okay. And uh, I I, kind of see your analysis. I agree with it. I see Clyburn um, as as one willing to compromise. And uh, this is a watered-down police reform bill, and anything that it could have meant, it won't mean. And so the Democratic Party and blacks in the Democratic Party, they continue to play to keep playing us. Um, we, we are getting played. They, they, they're going to offer us some token or perhaps mediocre reforms. A black woman as a, vi- as a vice president is showing largely as tokenism. We don't see her doing much substance, substantive things at all as it pertains to blacks. Certainly Kamala Harris is not a black, is not advocating for blacks. As you well pointed out, most of the administration defense on the clearest sense is going for Asians. And, uh, you know, black people help Joe Biden get in and they'll they'll get a few trinkets. I think we got a, a secretary of defense. He's a black man. He can bomb if necessary. I mean, bottom line to it is after all of these years and years and years, I mean, no disrespect to no black who's a Democrat who's listening, but the Democratic objective continues to be to maintain white rule and white supremacy with just a little bit softer tone. And it, it, to me, it's the Democratic Party is the, op- is the opposition, is obstacle and opposition to true black liberation and a, and a, and a mirage in the damn desert that is really going to do something. <laughs> it's a, just a mirage in the damn desert. It's like a dog chasing his tail, and when I and I got to see something better, and you know, Clyburn is just playing party politics and politics. Let's take this last caller for you, uh, uh, Attorney Shabazz. Let's go to two one five two one five. Yeah, good evening, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. And Brother Elliot, before I talk to my dear brother and friend, Brother Malik Zulu Sabrao, let me say, Elliot, you're right. Candace Owens, she's been going all over conservative media, trashing black people. As a matter of fact, I saw last night on one of the shows, Dog and Black People saying that we anti-Asian and we attacking Asian. Well, she knows damn well that's an out-and-out lie. But, I mean, that's a discussion for another show. I mean, she's a despicable maggot of a person. I mean, she's just disgusting, man. But anyway, Elliot, I'm going to say first happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. And I say that because Mother's Day is every day. It's a little-known fact. I don't know whether you and Brother Richard or Brother Malik knew this, but it was, it was, it was told to me by a wise black lady that it was a, 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 a domestic black lady who was doing domestic work back in the early 1900s, right here in North Philadelphia, no less, who was the creator of Mother's Day. And a lot of people don't realize that. I didn't know that fact either, but she was the one that, that started the Mother's Day movement, which I saw praise be to a lot for that. But let me say this, uh, Brother Elliot and Brother Rick and, 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 and Brother Malik. First to you, Brother Malik, as-salamu alaykum, my dear brother, Ramadan Mubarak. Alaykum salam, Ramadan Kareem, sir. Thank you, thank you, sir. You know, Brother Malik, when you was talking to uh, and, and Brother Tomek, a man in my sentiments, box, I, I love you, Brother Malik, as a brother, man. You, you're one of my heroes, man, because I love your heart. You're, your heart in the right place. You love, truly love our people. I can, it comes across sincerely on the radio, and I agree with Brother Tomek 100% on that. You know, as a member of the nation, uh, Brother Malik, you know, and just as a black man, a 59-year-old black man trying to just do the right thing, when you was talking about surviving police encounters, it, it, it's something that's, that's really 
touches my heart because Brother Malik, I want to share this with you and the listening audience. I worked for 16 years over at the over at the hospital over in Camden, New Jersey, before I came out on disability in 212 when I when I hurt my back. And you know, working at the hospital, you come around different people, Brother Malik, and I had a chance to work around a lot of females, black, white, Latino, and. It, and I and I was able to see their children grow up from little children on up to manhood and womanhood. And the thing is, this brother Malik, a lot of the children, when I was in charge of the mail room, they used to bring, they used to have, you know bring a child in day and stuff like that. And I would get a chance to know their kid. They would follow me around like the pipe pipe. They would they would hang with Mr. Joe as they would call me. And the, and their moms would say, Leave Joe alone. He got work to do. They would be. I said, Let, 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 let them come in. They would hang around, hang with me all day in the mail room. I would show them little things. But bottom line, brother Malik, is that. As these children was growing up, especially the males, I would have the white girl would the white girls would come to me and say, "Joe, you know Bobby getting ready to get his driver's license." And I say, "That's great. I say, great. I hope he gets a, get, I hope he, you know, you know, get, you know, get past his driving test, get a car, whatever like that." The black girls would tell me, "Brother Malik." The Puerto Rican girls would tell me the same thing. They'd say, uh, "Kareem will get his driver's license." Uh, 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 Ricardo, wine, get ready to get his driver's license. And I say, "Great." But here's the, this, this way. Difference, brother Malik, and I have told this story many times on the black terrestrial radio station here in Philadelphia. It was only the black and Puerto Rican girls that would tell me. They would, I could see the concern, brother Malik. Let's go back to what you said about about surviving police encounters. It was only the black and Puerto Rican girls that was t- would tell me with grave concern. They said, Joe, you know, Ricardo may get his license or or, or Kareem. I, just, I tell them if they get stopped by the police, what to do is put their hand on the stand wheel, whatever like that. You can see the concern on their face. None of the white girls ever told me this because you know why, brother Malik, as you well know, they don't have to worry about their sons being shot and beat down by the police. So it was only the black and Puerto Rican girls that had this concern about what would happen if their sons get pulled over by the police. And as you know, Brother Malik, I'm a member of CARE, the Council on American Islamic Relations. And me being a member of CARE for some of you, they send me out little pocket guys. And basically, pocket guys is what rights you have if you stop by the police, like you were saying to Brother Ellen Richard, you know, things you can and can't do, you know, the little facts if you, if you feel your rights is violated. Because the bottom line, what you're trying to do, like you say, Brother Malik, is not you're not being a punk or anything. You're a man. But you're not trying to, you don't want to, you know you dealt with the out-and-out devil, so you don't want to, you know, lose your life. You want to survive that encounter and go home. So I just wanted to speak to, to that, Brother Malik. I, I felt what you were saying because I'm with you 100% on that. And I gave these patents out to a lot of the assistance. This black and Puerto Rican sister, they appreciate it, and they, they and they gave these little pocket guys to their sons when they're out here driving in case they do get stopped by one of these racist devil cops and, and how they can survive those encounters and stuff like that. And I just want to thank you, Brother Malik, for, for, for bringing that out because that, this is real. This is real. I just want to thank you, Brother Malik, for bringing that out. Yes, sir. And I want to thank you. I want to ask some alaykum to you, and I want to um, thank you for, for propagating, for putting – the the word and the information out to any other person on how to survive and deal with the police. Brother Elliot gave us some startling statistics. He he talked about how high the the rate of searches was in the in the Minneapolis community uh, since George Floyd, as compared to white people, and showed the disparity in policing. Now, some of the disparity in, in, in the way we're treated has to do with the nature of the police officer, meaning that meaning that we understand that, that it used to be the code in the black community that when the police stop us, you know, that, that somehow or another, an ass whooping could be expected or warranted. And that mm-hmm. was just routine, routine procedure, mm-hmm. routine procedure. Um, now, um, 
I think black people and you and I, and we can teach our community to cut down on some of this by knowing the law, because many times we consent to searches when we don't have to. That's correct. And so, and so it's, it, you know, sometimes we just need to have a policy and a, and a teaching and a training by me, you, and those like us. You know, we don't consent to searches. You know, and if you stopped uh, of what they call a Terry stop or stopped on the street by a police officer, he does not have a right to just go to your body and search you. He only has a right to search you if you present as if you have a weapon and if you are a, a threat to the reasonable officer's safety. So they don't have a right just to, to say, well, you, you, you look like the man we heard did something down the street. Now get on the ground and get in the prone position. I'm, I'm fighting a case like that in Prince George's County. So we have to be, we have to be trained to push back. Yeah, we have to be trained to push back against police excesses and to know our rights and to have the courage and the knowledge to stand up to the officers and and, and respectfully uh, uh, to say no, no, I do not consent That's to this right. search, and, and, and no, I do not consent to you just uh, uh, going to my body, you know, and so. This is a great social work we can do. And we'd rather do this, brother, on the front end in our community than on the back end, you know, on the wrongful death end. And, and, I, and, I say, and, I, and I say this last, and I'm, and I'm gone, uh, Brother Malik. You know, Prince George's County, I got family down there because I'm sure, you, as you well know, you've been a, a well-versed you know, versed attorney, uh, Brother Malik. You know that, that the police stops in Prince George's County, which is probably the wealthiest black suburb in America, it's been astronomical to stop the black and brown people down there over the last several years. Unlawful stops have just been on and on. And you're absolutely right. A lot of our people don't know the law, and this is why... Unfortunately, a lot of times we get in them situations where, we, where our rights are violated because we don't we, we like to have to consent to a search if, if the officers don't have reasonable cause to search and stuff like that. Right. So these are things that our people definitely need to know because you know we've done them with a mindset in this country where these where, where, where a lot of these white cops and I close with this guy because you try you got to go is that they operate out of the Dred Scott thing. They feel as though a black man has no rights that a white man is bound to respect. This is how they think. That's yeah. how they they think and they female well. officers. Counterparts, they feel the same way too. That's why they so quick to shoot a brother unarmed, like you saw what happened with a young brother in Minnesota, down to the right. I mean, they 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 no different than their male counterpart, and we need to be aware of that and understand what we're dealing with. This kind of evil, the the, the mindset, but they but they never show that kind of any humanity when it comes to their own. They could be getting beat by up in the capital, beat by with bug spray, bear spray, uh, rocks, uh, bricks, but yet they show. All kinds of restraint, but a black man or black woman get get beat to death or shot to death unarmed don't have no weapons. So we know we definitely got our work to do. Thank you, brother Malik, and may Allah continue. Thank no problem. May Allah bless you, Michael Salam King. May Allah bless you. I think overall, you 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 bear witness to this set of facts. The one, I guess, bright spot you could say in all of this is that this is a unique and remarkable opportunity for black men in particular to talk to other black men and to talk to our sons and talk to our children and talk to our families. This presents that moment. Ten years ago, when this wasn't all in the news and on social media, we didn't have that moment. And now today, you can talk to your 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 14, 15. You can get them in a conversation about policing and race and black history and slavery and 
And so this is a great time, not just for attorneys. I think this is a great time for all brothers to take advantage of this, to have those meaningful conversations about policing that relate to race, that relate to social justice, that relate to history, that relate to everything that's going on. This is a great time for us to talk to our people and to uh, not just train them, but to, to gain their ear and we gain their ear and talk to our young people because there's a generation that's worried out there. They're worried about what happens to them while they're out there. and They're looking for brothers like us to, to reach out and connect with them in this hour. Tony Shabazz, uh, yes, sir. Thanks, thanks for being with us. Uh, before you leave, just let the people know how they can reach you. And uh, the door is open uh, anytime you want. When okay. you when uh, after the uh, after the twenty eighth through the thirtieth, if you want to come yeah. back and give us updates, or even send somebody else, send some one of those other brothers, activists on the program. The door is always open. But I let, sure I, will. As I conclude, I thank you, brother, so much. Thank you for having me on. It's been an honor. Um, If you want my latest book, my new book on the life of my mentor and a great black man and freedom fighter to us all, former national spokesman for Minister Louis Farrakhan and the fierce freedom fighter and chairman of the new Black Panther Party, I'm talking about the one and only master teacher, Dr. Khalid Muhammad. You can go to thebookofkhalid.com, thebookofkhalid.com and get that book, May 28th, May 28th through the 30th in Tulsa is the 100-year anniversary of Black Wall Street Massacre. It's the National Black Power Convention. There's going to be a huge Second Amendment march of black self-defense groups there like you've never seen before. You can follow the action at at this website. It's blackpanthermovement.org, blackpanthermovement.org. I spoke to legal issues tonight. I have a legal organization that's growing and it's very much in demand right now in services. It can be reached at blackrightsmatter.org, blackrightsmatter.org. That's uh, Black Lawyers for Justice. And um, and that's our website. And that's where I deal with wrongful deaths, false arrests, excessive force cases. I do police trainings on police encounters. And I can be counted on as an ally to this movement in the struggle against police brutality and in the courtroom in particular. Okay, I want to thank everybody for this. My number to my law office is 301-513-513-5445. Okay, I thank you all for listening to me. And let's keep up the struggle. Let's organize, organize. Thank, Thank you so much, Black Power. Thank you. Thanks for being with us. Talk to you soon. Peace. Richard. Yes. yes. Always interesting when he comes on. You know, I, I something that he said that kind of struck me. Although, you know, listen, we talk to people uh, in different areas that's, that's organizing, but when he said that a lot of these things are going on at a more of a rapid pace even now, but uh, this this the power structure or the so-called powers that be is racing to put out another narrative. Did you, you remember what he said in reference to that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> we ain't seeing things. <laughs> this, yeah, this no. race to make sure another narrative is out there is definitely for a reason. Right. Not only, a, I mean, there, you know, not only a narrative, but also raising the point about, 
um, we see in relationship to, as he was talking, in relationship to the laws that are being, whether, I, I don't I haven't really seen anything around the Second Amendment, but, you know, I think we have talked before about just um, in Florida and, and other places, uh, New York, and just to do protests. You can't just do that anymore. I mean, the states are creating laws where you can't just do that anymore. Not, yeah. You're not going to be able to go out in the street and protest an incident. So, um, the, you know, the laws that are being put in place is also trying to uh, stop uh, nonviolent voices. Mm-hmm. So, and and we also see, you know, see, which you brought up as far as gun ownership. Um, you know, there's more and more reporting about black gun ownership, not just black organizations to train people to have guns, but black people are buying guns. So we need to be in the lookout or what kind of laws are going to be changed to if the pattern of history is the same to circumvent or to to deal with that as black people deal with uh, purchasing guns. Um, in the means of individual self-defense. Now, and making that clear, it's a distinction between being organized with a um, legal weapon for protection as an individual and being organized as a collective, even for even for training purposes, Black people, um, to for for community protection. Um, that we have to be clear. We have a history where legal laws and, 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 and tools of repression come out against that. So we need to, that has to be centered of when we do these things, what's, what is going on now on their side um, to try to prevent that. Because as he said, you know, um, there's a lot of energy out there and they're trying to circumvent that energy right now. Yeah. It's a, uh, I'll probably have to reach out to uh Brother Smith, Brother Smith, Phil Smith, the president of uh, National African American Gun Association, because the last time he was on, Richard, in fact, it, shoot, it might have been a year now. Right. He talked about the numbers off the charts were swelling up with people joining, right. uh, with our folks joining from all around the country and starting chapters. So uh, just give, maybe get him to come back on and kind of give us a little yeah, update and, on things. And and, 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 you know, and it's an important thing that um, Brother Sebastian says that this is an opportunity where even as all these other things going on, um, we should be emphasizing that this is an opportunity where we can have a conversation with those who are um, the middle age or um, the second, second tier. And I'm saying the ones that are 14 to 21, we can have a conversation now because of the problem, the, the emphasis of the police brutality and that that directly affects them. We can have a broader conversation um, um, that is more, I'm going to call it intimate and interrelational and even intergenerational now, probably more, because it is, um, they're seeing it, you know, through these all these social media um, um, propaganda, I'm going to call it propaganda, but social media images of how Black people are being um, consistently, not just in one state, but all over the country, being um, not just harassed, but killed for their um, encounters. And so this opportunity to be able to speak to that 
and other and make connected dots in other areas is an opportunity that we have now, probably more than that, and you know, in recent history, or really, I would like to center after the the crack epidemic. Richard, we come up to you know what? Before we close, let me because this is, I, I ran across this article. I just want to share it with the listening audience because you know we've had folks on and and we're gonna have folks on in the future talking about this pandemic and some of these things that they have going on as far as uh, the vaccines. And now they got another thing going on, Richard. I saw a commercial on the television of a young black girl talking to her mother about taking this uh, new treatment, um, anti, anti-chromial antibodies. I know I got the name twisted, but I'll bring that back on our maybe Friday's program. Uh, about this uh, thing going on in relation to this uh, pandemic. But, Richard, you've been seeing, and especially here locally, uh, when they had that Vax John, as they called it, down there at the Robin Hood Dell, they had to use a certain amount of vaccine before it expired. You heard, you heard, yeah. you heard them talking about that, right? Right, right. right. <clears throat> now, let, let me, because, you know, Europeans don't change their spots. They are what they are. And it's good when you use a historical perspective on dealing with them, because if you try to deal with them on the basis of individual, it don't work. The formula don't work. Let, let me let me share with you this, Richard, and get your perspective before we close it out. Um, Malawi rejects. World Health Organization called to use expired COVID-19 vaccines. Malawi's government says it, it will go ahead with plans to destroy thousands of doses of COVID-19 vaccine, despite calls from the World Health Organization not to destroy them. The World Health Organization this week urged African countries not to destroy COVID-19 vaccines that have passed their expiration dates saying they're still safe to use. <laughs> However, Malawi's government says the appeals come too late uh, because they destroyed thousands of doses of the expired COVID-19 vaccines. Officials says that 16,400 doses of AstraZeneca that expired April 13th has already been destroyed. Meanwhile, South Sudan health officials have stopped administering over 60,000 doses of COVID-19's AstraZeneca vaccine that are past expiration date, uh, according to the drug maker and the World Health Organization. So wait wait a minute, Richard. Help me with this before we close. Europeans said that it's not safe to, that's why that they want to use this vaccine before it expires. They, you've been hearing this, right? And mm-hmm. you don't even watch the television. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can see why they, they sent an expired vaccine to Africa <laughs> and telling the people it's safe to use. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, what the hell? Well, who are we dealing with? You know, Ollie, listen, I don't say I can't control whoever takes what. That's up to them. But if black folks think that this man is sincere about what he's doing, I mean, Dr. King just told you in that message, and he said it from the, from, from the grave, and I'll use that term. 
when he said our, our people have, have had faith in a people that have too often proved to be unfaithful. Mm. How in the hell is it safe? It's not safe to use here, but you're going to send it to the continent and then uh, get on the people because they threw that crap away. Oh, oh, it's safe to use. I wouldn't use anything past the expired date, let alone this artificial stuff that people are shooting in their bodies. Are you, I mean, are you crazy? Yeah, it's a, 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 and why don't one, why don't they plaster this all over the, 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 the different news organizations? Why don't they talk about this on terrestrial black stations instead of talking about some of that stupid crap that they talk about on some of these shows? Why don't they talk about that? They got commercials all on John Legend, Spike Lee, all these the black oh, take the vaccine, get the vaccine, get listen, I don't I, do what you want. But why don't they talk about that? You're going to send expired vaccine to the continent. And then when they throw that shit away, you do, oh, don't throw it away. You can still use it. Why didn't they send that crap to Europe? Why didn't they send it to Australia? You're going to send that stuff to the continent so they can see the effects of expired vaccine in a human body. They don't even know what the, the, uh, the uh, effects are of this crap that they put in just regular, during the regular uh, shelf life. They're going to see what the shelf life is in using the human body on African continent. I'll be waiting for that to be talked about on these national shows and and, and, uh, news agencies. I'm glad Malawi, you know, um, made that, took that position. Well, Sudan and Malawi, it was probably others because it it states in the article uh, um, African countries, and it just states those two in particular. So I'm I'm quite it's 54 countries on the continent. I'm quite sure they didn't just send it to Malawi and Sudan. Mm. Expired vaccine. In that one particular. Yeah, <laughs> yeah AstraZeneca. Yeah, exactly. Remember clearly what the um, mm-hmm. what was stated about that by Professor Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that 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 one. I, I don't care what they say. That one is, uh, <laughs> well, for me anyway. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And they got, boy, I'm telling you, they, uh, it, it, it almost leaves you scratching your head sometimes. These folks, mm-hmm. when you think they can't get no lower, they stoop even lower. They, they create a new level. Yeah. yeah let's, uh, before we leave tonight, just want to, uh, Go over the lineup on time for an awakening media. Uh, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, African Perspectives with Brother Oshi. Always interesting topics and dialogues on African Perspectives. That's 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Later on, 6 to 8, Acres of Diamonds with Brother Jihad Ahmed. And from 8 to 9, Black Therapy Central with host Dr. Mawir Kambine and Dr. Kamal Kambine. Uh... 9 to 10, conversation reparations. Uh, it's still in hiatus. Uh, Brother Jamoke, come on with it. We're waiting on you. On Tuesday, Black Reality Think Tank with Dr. William Rogers. On Wednesday, it's our time. Uh, the Black Farmers Program, the West Georgia Cooperative, uh, airs on Wednesday at 8 p.m. On Friday, time for An Awakening is Back. Oh, on Thursday also from 8 to 10, uh, part two of the Black Reality Think Tank. Then on Friday, Time for an Awakening is here from 8 until Saturday from 4 to 6, Black Sister Talk with host Lawanda Chambers. And then from 7 to 9, 
later Saturday evening, the elders of Sankofa with Brother Alfonso Watkins and then time for an awakening is back on Sunday from seven until I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion as always. And we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon Or you're watching your children playing after school Soon it will
Children. 